This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 164, and we are going to be uh, talking about Wells Fargo today. However, for those who uh, have attended our Cashflow Wealth Summits of the past, we have an exciting announcement. We are going to do a mini uh, Cashflow Wealth Summit at the end of October, so October 27th, which is a Thursday. Th- uh, it's a Thursday. We're going to do it all day long, and uh, we're going to have a uh, number of good speakers. We'll be announcing them shortly. But uh, if you want to pre-register, that's available on the website, www.cashflowwealthsummit.com. You're not going to want to miss this event. We have some really cool things lined up. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo's in the news, and uh, they, uh, I don't know if you call it a hand slap or, I mean, who knows these days? With these banks and financial companies, it's like, I think people are so polarized. It's like, okay, well, they screwed up then, mm-hmm. they screwed up then, uh, they screwed up again, eh. Who cares? Yeah. Right. It's one of those things where it's happened so many times. It's people are like numb, numb to it. Correct. But uh, but I have my buddy here, Chad Hansen, and uh, him and I are going to talk about what went down with Wells Fargo and the firing of their five thousand plus employees because of uh, I think it was a million point five fraudulent, not fraudulent. Well, yeah, fraudulent yeah, accounts. Well, Two million fraudulent fake accounts. accounts right. It's identity theft. Right. Well, they they identify that as. Aggressive sales practices. Whatever. It's like that's totally <laughs> fraud. It right? is. I mean, you get anybody that does like identity theft. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be like, oh, you know, you know, just you can't do that. Don't you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the, because they worked at Wells Fargo, because they work in the banking sector, they can set up, you know, half a million credit cards, million and a half accounts, and nobody goes to jail. That's right. Right. And if you think about that, if you or I did that with one of our clients, it, it is exactly as you labeled it, identity theft. Yeah. I mean, if I open up an account for a client without their permission, and I set up the PIN numbers and the access codes, and I controlled that account, and they had no idea it existed, yeah, I lose my licenses. Oh. I could do jail time. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. But this Wells Fargo thing, nobody went they're, to jail. They're fired. No one went to jail. You know, the, the, oh, the lady who orchestrated the whole thing. Right, she walks away. She wasn't fired. No. Right, she has an early retirement. Gets 125 million dollars. So all this is over the headlines, right? So at looking at some of the, your research, what was, I mean, what was some of the response? I mean, was there any anybody that was up in arms, or was it kind of just nope. like you know nope, an, kind another of, Wednesday? It's another Wednesday. It's business as usual. So here's here's kind of the key points from this thing. So Wells Fargo agrees to pay 185 million dollars as a settlement for their quote-unquote aggressive sales practices, which we know as complete fraud, abuse, identity theft. I mean, it's aggressive just Aggressive sales ridiculous. practices. Okay. Yeah, imagine us trying to get away with, you know... That was uh, just an aggressive sales geez. practice. That's impossible. <laughs> sure, just take 10 cents out of my pay and call it good, you okay. know? Uh, oh, oh that that that, that's the other cool thing. Okay, so, they, so, the, so the fine was $185 million, right? Correct. To me and you, that is like... You know, to anybody, to any normal person, that, that sounds like a lot of money. Insanity, right? Yeah. But Wells Fargo, we looked up uh, their FDIC filings from this past June, and their total assets are one point, um, just 1. shy of one point seven trillion, right? Yeah. So we did the math. What's what's one hundred eighty-five million dollars of one point seven trillion? Point zero 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 one percent. Okay. So to the normal person, right? That's so if someone has a, a million dollars. Right. What is what's the what's yeah, the equivalent? That's the fun thing. We calculated that. Out. That's a hundred and eight dollars. Hundred eight dollars per million. Per, per million. Okay. What about a hundred thousand? That's like nothing. ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so 
ten dollars anyway. per hundred thousand is what they lost That's in that little uh, in that little debacle. All right, so here's what went down. I mean, Wells Fargo. You know, you you look at just banking in general, and I think in the financial world, there's there's tons of there's tons of pressure, right? And we've talked about in the last couple of months. So we talked about negative interest rates. We've talked about you know stimulus uh-huh. and what the Federal Reserve is trying to do, right? And it's it's yeah. really creating a ton of liquidity in you know in in the markets. But most people don't realize that. Uh, liquidity, okay, or when there is stimulus from the Federal Reserve, it has to go through the proper channels to actually get out into uh, out into society, Correct. right? They can't just like you know, even though Ben Bernanke has a nickname of you know Helicopter Ben, right? They can't just go out and throw money out of a helicopter, right? They have to go through the right channels. So they right. either have to go and buy in, buy bonds, uh, they have to uh, go in and you know increase the the leverage that banks have, right? Increase their capital, or, uh, increase their accounts. Uh, they can mess with interest rates. Uh, they can mess with reserve requirements. I mean, there's a lot of different ways which mm-hmm. they can do it, but. For the most part, they're either you know using banks, right, or using uh, bond buying, right, using Correct. using uh, bond auctions, mostly with you know government yeah. bonds. Okay, so looking at you know uh, Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo was a big recipient, right, of stimulus money back in 2008, Correct. 2009. Okay, and you know they were you know in a sense kind of you know put into a corner, painted into mm-hmm. a corner as far as all the other subprime stuff that was out there because they didn't really participate in a lot of well, uh, a lot of subprime. That was, you know, mainly like Countrywide who was taken over by, well, by they, Bank of America. They got they Merrill got held Lynch. up in that as well. I mean, if you look at, you know, we'll we'll talk about this maybe later, but yeah, they they just settled earlier this year a 1.2 billion dollar fraud settlement for their uh, lending practices from you know stemming back to 2008. Yeah, so and they I, they, they, have, they they have some issues involved there as well. Yeah, and looking at, I mean, looking at, again, the associated with 2008-2009, I mean, you really look at the, the main players there, and you look at all the, you know, these these different types of mortgages, whether the negative amortization mortgages or ARM mortgages and, and, sub, and subprime, right? Because Bank of America is the one that took a huge hit when they were, right. you know, forced to take on um, uh, countrywide, right, which mm-hmm. was a time a time bomb. Uh, but anyway, you know, getting getting to the point of this, it's like you you look at the pressure that is placed on banks and on any financial company, right, and they are they're, they're kind of struggling as well, right now. That because Wells Fargo, they have one point seven trillion dollars in in assets, right, but they have like one point five trillion in liabilities. Correct. So I think this is a good distinction, and this kind of gives you gives you know th- those that are listening an idea of why why were they doing this? What was the right. incentive of Wells Fargo to number one have their employees uh, compensated uh, or incentivized to open up to new open accounts, up new open accounts. up new credit cards, right? right? Uh, and then obviously it was all orchestrated. But why, why are they incentivized to to do that, right? So let's just let's just kind of do some banking 101 here. So first thing is when a bank receives a deposit, right? When they receive you know your paycheck. Uh-huh. And it's inside their accounts. What what do they book that as? Like on their balance sheet, on their financial statement, what is that booked as? Well, it's it's both an asset and a liability to them because they have to pay that out to you when you request it. Okay. So, but in the beginning, it it it, it well, it's a liability, right? Because right. if they have to pay it out, right, that goes on their books as a liability. Correct. Right. So it's something that is owed. Now, to us, it's an asset. Right. Right. And it goes into the vaults, but it's kind of like the banks are borrowing from us. Correct. Right. Because yeah, we we're, become their their lenders. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a very liquid loan. 
mm-hmm. right? They were giving they were giving to them. It's not like a CD, which is like a, a time deposit. These are more demand deposits, which right. is you know they however if we go and demand becoming, it, they will give it to us. However, they're becoming more like CDs every day because yeah. you have certain deposit requirements yep. or you pay fees. And I want to talk about that yeah. too. But but I would say you know the first thing banking one one is when they take on a liability. Okay, then you put a liability, and if you have more liabilities than assets, that's not a good situation to be in, right? right? And so you have banks that are taking on tons of liability because these days people are not spending money, they're saving more, uh, they're a little scared, they're anxious. So banks are taking on more deposits and more deposits and more deposits, okay, and creating liabilities. Now, what they do is, in order to offset that liability, is they go out and they issue credit, credit. right? Which is a, mm-hmm. an asset to them. That's why every bank is pushing their credit cards, their debit cards, their, you know, all kinds of different cards. Points. A litany they're of paying cards. Tina Fey. They're paying, you know, Samuel Jackson to get on there and, you know, promote credit cards or whatever mm-hmm. because they want people to go into debt because that's an asset to them. But here's the problem, okay? People are saving. They're not spending, Right, they're not going into as much debt as they were before. Number one, they're not making any money. Right, you look right, at employment right. numbers, and it's like, okay, employment numbers are improving, but at the same time, it's more of like you know part-time work uh, or underemployed. Right, so the idea is there's not there's not this the society right now does not want to spend. Right. right, and when they do, it's very nominal, and they don't spend credit; they're spending cash. But that kills I banks, think, uh, right? When you look back at the history, what what it, what uh hit me in this 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 these series of articles that came out about Wells Fargo was uh, was really exactly that point 2008 2009 scared the pants out of everybody mm-hmm. everybody went into this shock and kind of reeled back and said wait a minute we shouldn't be buying this we shouldn't be leveraging so much on mm-hmm. our debts we shouldn't be going into debt for entertainment centers and TVs and cars let's let's hunker down a bit yep. mm-hmm. and that forced the banks to change mm-hmm. so when you when they look back at these fraudulent practices from Wells Fargo, they started in 2010, 2011. Yeah. So it's when the banks then started saying, wait a minute, people are saving money. Yeah. This is a problem. Well, here and We, we th- need to generate a, more, this more is money. A good, this is a great point because think about it. Back then, right, when Wells Fargo got a huge stimulus, mm-hmm. right, when you have uh, Bank of America, they got a huge one. Uh, Chase got a huge one. Okay, all the, all the big banks essentially to, you know, preserve this this uh, the the uh, not preserve but prevent a run on the banks. They gave all the big banks money, right? Some mm-hmm. banks didn't need the money, right? They're like, no, we don't. We're fine. We didn't mess around like you did. We're fine. But they gave money to everybody, right? So uh, everybody, you know, was kind of considered equal because if they didn't, they gave it to Wells and not Chase. It shows that wow, Wells is in trouble. Chase is not. I'm moving my deposits from. Wells, from wells to, to chase, chase right so they gave everybody they gave everybody uh liquidity but here's the thing if you go back and look at what interest rates were right on like treasuries and bonds and so forth back in that time okay they were much much higher than they are today so what was happening is all this liquidity was going into those coffers right mm. going into the and they took that and instead of lending it to the American public, which was the whole, you know, whatever the, you know, the the political terms were, but that's what you know they wanted the banks to do is to create uh, velocity. Uh, they wanted to create liquidity for people so they can get you know back on their feet. They didn't do that. Yeah. They basically took on hundreds of millions, billions in in stimulus and went out and bought government bonds with it, right? So they took money at like zero. And went and bought government bonds at four or five percent, yep. right? 
and that's like a four or five hundred because they again when you take on liquidity that's money you for have nothing. To, you have to offset yeah. it with an asset, mm-hmm. right? And I don't blame them. I mean, looking at banks, I mean it was a smart decision yeah, for them. It was a stupid, them. idiotic decision for um, you know the the. Uh, you know the, the ben, Berna- ben Bernanke yeah. at the time and Hank Paulson the who was the Secretary of Treasury, right? The American taxpayer. But I mean, I kind of argue like, well, they are they they're not idiots. But anyway, I'm not gonna get into that. Go so off basically, that the American trail. taxpayer just gave the banks an extra 45 percent on top of everything they did. For sure, year. for sure. So that's my you know you go back to that and then you look at right now. So when Wells is taking all these deposits. Okay, you don't have the same spread that existed in 2008, 2009, right? right? Today, you look at like the 10 year, the 10 year is like, it's nothing. The 10 year, you know, the 10 year, which is considered kind of one of the benchmark, you know, it's not short term interest, but it's not, you know, a 30 year, uh, 30 year bond, long term interest is right in the middle. The 10 year is like nothing. Right, it's like it's way less than two percent. I don't even know what it is. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's it's insane how low it is. And so they're not. I mean, if it was like four to five percent. I guarantee that this this fraud would not have happened, right? Because it's easy for the banks to actually go out and take and buy well, on that asset. Well, yes and no. I mean, this is, this practice has been around a long time. They call it "quote unquote" sandbagging. And has it been a, so? All right. So, so you did more research than so, I did. So yeah. So so they've been they've been doing this for forever for a long time. But it's, it it got worse in in 2010 2011 when they wow. needed cash. Okay. Okay. So the concept of sandbagging is to basically to hold something back. You know, like if, if a flood's coming at you, you fill up the sandbags and you line the streets sure. so, so you don't so you don't take on the flood. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what was happening is they were seeing the flood coming, uh, the pressure was mounting and rising, and they decided, hey, let's let's sandbag some of this money for later, and that's what caused all these accounts to be opened up. They wow. said, you know what, we need this credit, we need this all these accounts on our books to satisfy our stockholders to keep the wolves at bay on wall street to make sure that you know we're, we're okay and uh, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and it went up the chain so it wasn't just a couple accounts here and there it became the widespread practice somebody comes in they don't have all the bells and whistles and alarms set up on their account hey yeah. open up a few more accounts for them yeah uh, you know suppress the statements so they're not alerted about it uh, let's open up a few more accounts you know no harm no foul Jeez. well the problem is eventually some of their safety systems, if you will, shut down and people started getting charged account fees and charges for these these ghost accounts. Yep. And they finally called and said, what's going on? I never opened up this credit card. Why am I being charged an account charge uh, or a maintenance fee for this? And, and so that's really what happened is this widespread practice that was fairly controlled for many years finally got out of control. And... Um, well, and, whether and it has been around for a number of years or not, it's still, that's, it's, I mean, it's uncalled for and I think it's, it's fraudulent. Oh, right. I'm, and, I'm actually surprised that and they're not the only bank that does it. You know, I, mm. I, I can guarantee every banker and even a lot of the credit unions out there are probably doing some of this. Mm. Um, and not maybe for the same reasons, yeah. but they're, you know, if you think about it, the, the employees who were doing this wanted to keep their numbers higher because that's how they were. Bonus. That's how they're bonus incentivized. Yeah. 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 The more accounts you open up, the more money you make. So th- what's their incentive? Of course, to open up as many accounts as they can, whether they're valid or not. Mm. You know some of that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, looking at yeah, looking at this again, it's, you know, I think the the reasoning behind it, it's, there's there's so much to do with, again, that pressure and the, and the need for them to acquire assets, mm-hmm. right? And right now, the only a- attractive assets uh, that are out there are not being purchased, right? Yeah. And, or the yield simply does not work within their revenue models. Mm-hmm. So 
So, I mean, I understand why they did this, right? Because they needed assets, right? right? And if you put, you know, half a million credit cards on there, right? They have, you know, 10, 15, 20% interest rate associated with it. Great asset, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm assuming they were able to package those, right? With a credit people, Right. So anyway, people, because again, if, if it's someone that uses credit a lot, they're going to know whether there's something on their credit report. But right. if you have a person with no, you know, they has no debt, they're, they're not going to notice that. And so well, they're probably a credit people yeah. that are not paying attention. And that's and why. Unfortunately, it was these probably, show up. it was probably seniors. It yeah, was probably, probably like it the 85 year old grandma. Yeah, your grandma. It's never used credit in her entire exactly. life. Exactly. She yeah. doesn't check her credit report. She uh, doesn't, she doesn't, she's not worried about it. Well, so those, th- so it'll be interesting to see kind of how it plays out. I know you were doing some research on the stock price because I was, I was, uh, over the yeah. weekend I had, you know, I, I had dinner with Andy Tanner and uh, who, who's been on the podcast before, and we were talking about this very subject, and he was kind of talking about the past, which was, which was enlightening. Cause, and this is kind of what, what you know, the discussion went to. So you look at Wells Fargo. First off, you don't wake up one morning and say, hey, let's fire 5,300 employees, right? This was, I mean, they've known about this for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, I guarantee with, you know, Warren Buffett as a major shareholder, Berkshire Hathaway as a major shareholder, I mean, you're not going to come out with this, this type of news like, all, you know, uh, on the you know spur of the moment, right? right? This is all orchestrated. It was all coordinated. It was all you know strategically done at certain time periods and so forth. So you look at it, and really, what Andy said, he said, "Listen, this is you know, in the past, and you can tell me you know what yeah. happened with uh-huh. Wells Fargo share price. But in the past, if you look at uh, some of these similar events with banks, right? They're trying to get their exposure. They're trying to get rid of exposure. They're trying to reduce." Uh, reduce expenses, and if they're able to do that, their quarterly filings are going to come out, which should be out. And they they come out when October. Yeah, I think quarterlies come out. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at that, and then bam, their share price will will pop because they were able to do this in the, th- in the third quarter. So so why don't you go through? You know, it was a fascinating yeah. conversation with Andy, but and, but why don't you go through kind of what you know what happened to the Wells share price, yeah, and then about, you know yeah. what's happened in the past, and and what what we can anticipate in the future. Yeah. So maybe first before I get into that, much like we uh, did that calculation of $185 million fine to the $1.7 trillion they have in assets, it, it ended up being nothing. Yep. Um, 5,300 employees being laid off. Again, to us, that sounds like a, mo- a monster. It's just a, a huge amount of people. Yeah. Uh, but to them, it's nothing. That's less than 1% of their employees. Yeah, they so, have, I looked at that too. So they have 233,000 employees. Yeah, 5,000, that's, that's a drop that's in the nothing. bucket. It's nothing. Yep. So to Wells Fargo Corporate, that means zero. To all those families that were affected, it's huge. Yeah. Okay, so so again, it's the corporate versus the individual. But as far as their stock price, I found this really interesting. I looked back um, in February, February third, it was announced that Wells Fargo had to pay one point two billion in uh, settlement over the fraudulent mortgage practices from you know stemming from two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened to their stock price back in February? So if you look at February first, the day prior to the announcement, uh, there's they're trading at forty nine point nine four. Um, February 11th, after the news had hit and they, they hit their low, they were at 45.16, which is a 10% decline. Just uh, 11 days later, February 22nd, they were back up to 49.9. Hmm. So they they were at normal trading volumes. Oh, and this, that's the other thing. So so it took you know, less than two weeks for, for their stock to recover. Um, when the news first hit, there were huge high trading volumes because everyone was saying, oh, sky's falling, Let, you know, get rid of Wells Fargo stock, it's going to plummet. But then within two weeks, they were right back to where they should have been with normal trading volume. And what I found interesting uh, is that it wasn't that people were capitalizing on the low stock price because the stock price uh, or the, or the uh, trading volume, excuse me, didn't increase after they, they hit their low. It stayed at normal levels. So if you think about why, 
Well, it's basically just because all of us here have been trained to go like sheep and just invest in our mutual funds and yeah. our 401k plans yep. like clockwork. Which means we're not investing. They're invested for It's it, investing exactly. for us. Exactly. So people were just blindly putting money back into Wells Fargo stock, yep. regardless of what happened to the news. So they had, they had a $1.2 billion settlement paid out. In two weeks, they're back to all is normal. The same thing happened this time and will happen this time. So if you look at uh, uh, what's going to happen here, I mean, September 1st, before this news came out, they're trading at Fifty dollars, fifty point four three. You know, September eighth, just uh, you know, the day before the news came out, forty nine point nine. So they're pretty even. Not a lot happening. Little minor fluctuation. News hits. They drop to forty six point eight. Again, another ten yep. percent decline with high trading volume. But if you look over the next two weeks, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You're going to see. Just go right back you're going to see normal trading volume. But once quarterly comes out, once quarterly and their stock price out, will go right back yeah. up to where it was. And once their expenses are less, once their exposure is less, boom, there's more, they're going to have some some equity and value. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just interesting how that all how that all plays out. And I and I think you know, and, and this is a topic for another day. But I asked the question, you know, a number of years ago. It's like, okay, you have these $1.2 billion fines. You have $185 million fines. You have huge fines elsewhere, right? Where do those fines go, right? They go right back to the government who stimulus, yeah. who gave them stimulus to begin with. So it's exactly. An, it's, an, it's just an interesting kind of shell game, right, as mm-hmm. far as how all of this is, is concerned. But something else I found interesting, then we'll kind of get to the point of why we're covering this today, because there is a point, and it's not to buy Wells Fargo. <laughs> just letting everybody know. <laughs> um, but well, if you want, if you know what you're doing, I guess that's that's okay. But uh, so looking at looking at the the woman who is in charge of this, I want to I want to talk uh-huh. about her because it's yeah. interesting because uh, the articles that I pulled up, you know, it talked about you know this woman who had been there for almost 30 years, uh, Tolstet. Yeah, Carrie and, Tolstet. You know, no prison time, right? And they didn't even fire her. Okay, right. she decided to take early retirement. Now again, when they're when you're orchestrating this. Okay, when you're basically, you know, because I big guarantee it was like, okay, you're the fall guy. <laughs> it's all, all on you. You're going to retire, but mm-hmm. you're going to keep your $125 million compensation package, right? So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the whole thing was orchestrated strategically so that it would not create a run on the bank, right? Which I'm going to give a quote here from the bank in just a second, which is yeah. kind of contradictive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you have her kind of leave. Nobody goes to jail. People are, are, uh, are, are, fired nobody you know nobody has any type of you know personal liability associated with it okay then you have this statement that comes out from wells fargo says uh, wells fargo reached these agreements uh, because we're committed to customers and the interest of putting this matter behind us wells fargo is committed to customers interest first 100 percent of the time and what's and, interesting is that's just the public statement yeah their uh, legal statement was very different yeah because that's not because <laughs> their their fiduciary responsibility Right is not to customers. No, right. To their their fiduciary responsibility is to their shareholders. Correct. Right. It's to the owners of the company. It's their loyalty is not to customers. And that's what's fascinating yeah. is you say this, but again, what's the reason behind saying this? They don't want to run, right? They don't want people to kind of run to Wells Fargo and withdraw all their money because that creates you know a, a bank run. Because if everybody starts withdrawing their money at the same time, that's when you have a you have major issues. Because as you were mentioning a few moments ago. Right, banks are basically creating. It's more and more difficult to hold money at banks. Yeah. Right, they don't want to. You can't withdraw more than a thousand bucks in cash with them, like you know, putting you under a spotlight and you know, calling the the FBI to come and you know, you yeah. have to explain why you need right. cash. Right, it's it's becoming more and more difficult to get liquidity. Right, and at the yeah. same time, you have all a lot of fees associated with. Uh, with what's going on. Plus, you have a ton of oversight 
uh, and transparency when it comes to your accounts and who can view those accounts, right? Correct. Which is pretty much anybody these days. Oh yeah. So you look at you know like kind of the every I, employee at any level at Wells Fargo. Ser- yeah, that's another <laughs> seriously, and that I mean, is they, another scary. So many people have access to your accounts. Oh, that I you know. Don't even know. It's un- unbelievable. Anyway, so I look at you know you look at a lot of these statements. You look at what happened to Tolstet, um, and you just it, a lot of things just to me don't make sense right no. it, they you know a lot of what they came up with is placating the public which i understand right but at the same time this is just more proof uh we've been preaching we've been talking about this for a long time which is you look at just the incredible imbalance between the the scales of justice of wall street banks and the public right, right? in the end the people who pay the price for this is the public Correct. right all the stimulus all the liquidity that exists right now okay it is basically inflation killing the purchase price or making the purchase purchasing power of our currency of our money okay uh volatile right but it's also playing with people's retirements it's playing with pensions because most people that think okay well i have gold or i have you know insurance policies and i have real estate right you're still affected Right, because the economy is so dependent on what's going on in Wall Street, what's going on in the banking sector, mm-hmm. that anything is going to affect us. Whether it's deflation, inflation, uh, whether it's taxes, because in the end, right, who's the one that paid the price when there was a huge stimulus? American it's public. The American public. Right, That's because right. the government went into more debt. Now they have twenty trillion dollars of debt. We, how are they going to pay that back? The interest and the principal comes from taxes, which is us. So it doesn't matter. And you may say, well, I have a a self-directed Roth IRA or I have a 401k and it's self-directed. I have real estate. It's like the taxation associated with anything is subject to change, right? What exists now is not guaranteed. And that's what most people don't understand. Even with like a Roth, right? You think with a Roth, okay, it's going to be tax-free for life. It's like, okay, yeah, according to the current law, but that's a statute. Right. That's or that's the revenue code. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's, you know, 20,000 pages of the revenue code is because they've made changes over time and they A will continue to make changes every day. And it all applies to the revenue that they need to survive. That's right. So you look at a lot of the stuff happening. It's like, OK, well, I don't have money at Wells Fargo. I have money at Chase. Or you say, well, I have, you know, I don't own Wells Fargo stock. I own, you know, uh, I own Bank of America stock. Right. Or I, you know, I have a mutual fund, but it is, the exposure to the financial sector isn't that big. It doesn't matter, right? The the economy, society is so interwoven that all of this is going to affect you. Correct. So, looking at you know what we've been preaching, the 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 original purpose behind banks made sense, which was they will store your wealth in a safe and secure place, and they will give you a receipt that you can go out and efficiently trade. Mm-hmm. But it's become a mess. It is right, and that's not what the original intention was. No. But society has basically, you know, has basically come to this conclusion that, you know, where we put where we put our money is a bank, right? And that there's nowhere else to put it. And it was interesting, and I know you have have a comment, but it was interesting. I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell's uh, podcast, the revision, the revisionist of history, I think it's called. You, and, and it was fascinating podcast, but the episode that really st- stands out to me is the one where he uh, did a, a kind of a, a whole um, episode on Rick Barry. Rick Barry was a famous NBA player that had some of the highest percentage of free throws during his era, but he shot underhand. 
Huh, interesting. Okay. And Malcolm Gladwell went in and he, you know, he basically, because because Rick Barry and, and basically the theory there was you're biologically more likely to make a free throw shot underhand than overhand. But nobody else, like Shaquille O'Neal, didn't want to do it. Um, and they had, you know, all sorts of very famous players that were huh. horrible. They were afraid of looking throwers. dumb. They were afraid of looking stupid. Yeah. Right. And it was so counterintuitive because it's kind of like, well, basketball is getting the ball into the hoop. Does yeah, it doesn't matter, matter how you, how do, you do it? Do it's it. kind of the hook shot, right? The it's hook true. shot. So anyway, the idea behind banking and why I use that example is that you know people are so acclimated, they become so acclimated to saying, this is what I do with my money, this is where I put it, this is what. And I don't know what it's going to take to like disrupt that, right? I don't, well, I don't know. It's going to take a lot of time and some major, major upheaval. Because yep. this take, isn't going to do it. It's right? going to take a complete collapse yeah. of, of the markets. Yeah. And, and it's, I don't know what's going to change it because it's been the norm for so long. Yep. I mean, ever since you were born, you were taught, put your money in the bank, invest in mutual funds, max out your 401k. Put the rest in a Roth IRA. You're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. Yep. I mean, that's just been the norm for forever. But none of that is true. Yep. None of that works. Yep. Tax deferral is not your friend anymore. Nope. It's your enemy. Yeah. In an increasing tax environment, that is the worst thing you can possibly do. Yep. Putting money into your mutual funds, letting someone else, quote unquote, manage that money is not happening, A. And because of the the plan charges, the fees, the the management expenses, the ticket charges, the trade charges, the third party administration fees, you're not getting any of that money back anyway. No. And, and banking, if you do, and banking, it's taxed. and banking is the same way, right? Because yeah. banking, you have a checking account or savings account. Look at the fees you're paying for it's accounts, ridiculous. Yeah. right? And you look at the millions and millions that are being made on whether it's wire or ACH or there's so much. They're trying to milk milk you for everything. Yeah, they are. So in the end, I mean, our, the idea here is: listen, in order to efficiently spend money these days, you, you need a you need a bank, right? You need a credit card, you need a bank account. But as far as a storage of wealth, that is that's where it gets it gets dicey. And so, looking at you know the perpetual strategy, what we do, and our our model, it's basically to mitigate the risk associated with what we've been talking about all day. That's right. And so in the end, I mean, you look at Wells Fargo. I don't bank with Wells Fargo. I actually used to bank with Wells Fargo. I do actually. Been there for twenty years. Really, and it's it's one of those things. <laughs> so I where, wonder how many other accounts I have that I don't know about. Yeah, is it, it, and that's the thing is, what, and this is another important thing I would say in regards to just financial education and financial responsibility and management is know your credit report. Most credit cards these days will give you a free credit report every month, right? American Express, if you have an American Express card, they will give you a free three-bureau report every single month, right? Oh. And you can learn not just what your score is, but what's on there. And I'll, I actually wasn't planning on saying this, but over the weekend, my card got stolen, my American Express card. I had like $40,000 in charges Holy in less cow. than three hours. Wow. They spent money at Barney's. They spent money everywhere. And they denied, they declined all the charges, right? And I have no idea where they, because I don't use that card a lot. Wow. I don't know where they got it, but in less than in less than three hours, I had tens of thousands of dollars of charges on there. It was insane. Wow. And so looking at, again, looking at your credit report, looking at, you know, who you bank with, being able to base your, you know, your feeling of security and your feeling like you are in charge or in control, you have to take that to the next level, whether it's credit monitoring uh, or whether it's repositioning assets. There's so much you can do in order to mitigate the risk. It's impossible to eliminate it. But you can definitely do do some things to, to mitigate, mitigate and buffer it. Yeah. So... Do your homework, do your research, check up on everything you have, call on things you're not familiar with. You know, if you look at your credit report and it says, you know, oh, I've got three Wells Fargo accounts. Yeah, that probably is right. And then you see a few others. Well, call on them. Find yep. out what they are. Yep. 
And we've you know? and we've mentioned this before. There's a good there's a there's a few documentaries that and also some videos that some some uh, uh, different organizations have put out that I think are, are valuable. And I didn't plan on listing these, and I'm I'm sure I'm gonna mess mess a few of them up. But uh, the first one, uh, the Mises Institute has so many different resources on their website and they have a whole history of banking right so we'll try to find that youtube link and put that on the show notes uh, but that is a huge resource just to understand how the banking world works okay and then there is uh there's a, a few films as well as documentaries that are out there that i think are definitely worthy of watching if a lot of this is foreign to you okay so the first one's called inside job and we've mentioned this if you've been listening to the podcast for a while We've we've mentioned this on there, but we'll put it in there again. So inside job, inside job is one. Uh, there's also a few others that I think are are really good. Let me pull pull them up here. Okay, another one which we discussed recently is the Big Short. Uh, the next one is this is actually it, it's it's okay, but uh, it's called Money Money for Nothing, which is a documentary. This one is an H. It's an actual film. It's it's an HBO film called Too Big to Fail. Okay, and that's probably a good list. A good list for now. That'll keep people busy for a while. But anyway, busy. there's a lot of others that are that are out there that I that I've seen. They're just not coming to mind right now. Uh, but really, education around how the whole system works is going. It's going to help you because, you know, really looking at looking at our our economy today, looking at society, um, despite what's gone on, despite a lot of the changes that are uh, that are occurring, people are still behaving the same way. They're still doing the same things, and they're thinking that that somehow it's just going to work itself out. And and I would caution you. If that's the mentality you have, then it's it's time to it's, it's time to think a little bit differently. So uh, that's what that's all I have today. You have anything? Any final words, Chad? Before I because you worked in uh, you worked in kind of the the Wall Street securities and financial planning world for Correct. for a while. You know, and you know how the game works, right? Yeah. Every, it, these are companies that want to make a profit. They want to make revenue, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think because uh, there, there's not. But doing it doing it the right way is is there's kind of a there's lots of gray area in society today, and this is a perfect example of gray area because they're allowing people to essentially commit identity theft, fraud, right, to turn a profit. And there's no jail time. Mm-hmm. There's a nominal, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny fine. Just a slap right? on the not, wrist. Not even all. a slap on the wrist. That's just like, you know, they'll pull like an arm hair. <laughs> not even a slap yeah. on the wrist. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty minimal <laughs> for, for what they've done and what they've, uh, what, what has happened. It's nothing. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh, that's all we have today. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we will uh, talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.